we do want His Word to speak. You can be, you can be seated. You know, we know God's words speak. I think about what James says. And folks, this is the struggle we have, especially those of us that are faithful. And, you know, I've been saved for 40 years, 44 years. Fixing me 45. And, and you be hearers of the word and you get all this information and knowledge, but you don't do it. That's sinful. To whom much is given, much is required. I do not want to be just a hearer of God's Word. I want to be a doer. Think of how many times you've heard the the Word of God, even in this place. And then you have to think, am I doing God's Word? Or am I just hearing it? Am I just religious? Am I like the vine and the branch? Um, Where in John 15, you know, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. And a branch needs to be pruned, right? Right? If a, if a branch is not pruned, then all the energy is, is, is spent making wood, not making fruit. It might look healthy, but it has no fruit. And that, that's some of us sometimes. We know all the lingo, you know, but we're not producing any fruit. We look really healthy, but we're not. We're not, we're not producing the fruit that God's called us to produce produce by the way uh the song that the choir sang comes straight from um straight from second timothy chapter four where paul told timothy to preach the word right amen so i tell you what let's look at that that has nothing to do with what i'm talking about today revelation 13 is where i'm going to be but let's go to second timothy chapter four real quick second timothy chapter four Listen to, uh, and like I said, Revelation chapter 13, and then, but let's flip back, flip back to 2 Timothy chapter 4. And right there, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, it says, uh, I charge you in the, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who is to judge the living and the dead and by His appearing in His kingdom. And if you're like me and you're thinking about His appearing, His, his return, His appearing would be to me His rapture. And then He's coming back after His rapture for the kingdom, to establish His kingdom for a thousand years. Isn't that awesome? You know, He doesn't make the new heaven and the new earth. I I don't know if you think about stuff like this. He doesn't make the new heaven and the new earth till after the thousand years. Because there will be life on this earth for a thousand years and Jesus will reign from Jerusalem, but we will reign with Him and we will help Him administrate heaven on earth for a thousand years. Now, just I've already chased a rabbit, but you have to realize that for that thousand years, there'll be people that have gotten saved during the tribulation and they've survived it. Well, they're still in the flesh. They're still in the old nature. But they will repopulate the earth. That's why Jesus said in, in Matthew's gospel, if he did not cut the tribulation short, there'd be nobody left on earth. But there has to be people left on the earth because there's going to be a kingdom that Christ is going to reign and rule from. And there's going to be people that are going to have to be ruled and we're going to rule with him. I don't know how, but I, I see that kingdom. He has a kingdom that's coming. 
Then it says in verse 2, but here's preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Folks, the word of God repairs and restores. It challenges. It calls for repentance. It calls for a change of life. Change of your mind, how you think, how you live. But then he says, for the time is coming. And we believe we're in those times. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. Now, for those of you who love the Bible words, that word sound is our English word for hygiene, for healthy. Translated sound. So God's Word is healthy words. From a spiritual standpoint, it's healthy. It restores. It heals. It mends the broken bone. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. Some of yours may say sound doctrine. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Now, folks, when Paul wrote that, and I mean, he wrote it 2,000 years ago to Timothy as he pastored in, in Ephesus, somebody in, in Ephesus may have come across five or six teachers in the course of a few years. But we can get online and we can come across literally hundreds of teachers, false teachers and heretics in the, in the course of a few hours. And so if people out there who don't want to hear sound doctrine, they have itching ears, they can find somebody that's going to that's gonna agree with them and encourage them to stay in their sin. So that's what that, so they accumulate for themselves. The word accumulate means to stack one upon the other, to stack up teachers to suit their own passions and they will turn away from listening to the truth and they will wander off into myths. I think a lot of that's happening today. I think what Paul says to the Colossians, that people are being carried away by vain philosophies and just empty myths, as the word says, the mythos, just carried away by empty talk. Our world's full of that. But no matter what, we need to be ready to preach the word, right? Amen? Preach the word, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort, with great patience and teaching. Now, Revelation chapter 13. Last week or a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the Satan being thrown out of heaven. So if you don't mind, I'm going to back up. Well, I want you to go back. Since you're there in Revelation 13, I've got a new preaching Bible today. and So on my page where Revelation 13 starts, I still can see part of Revelation chapter 11. So I want you to look at Revelation chapter 11 before I read Revelation chapter 13. I want you to go back and look at Revelation chapter 11. Then I'm going to look at a couple of verses in Revelation chapter 12 because I do want to put it in context. But in Revelation chapter 11, verse 7, it says, And when they had, this is verse 7, and most of you know the context. I'm not going to read all verses 1 through 6. And when they had finished their testimony, the beast, now the beast is the Antichrist. We're really fixing to meet him up close and personal in chapter 13. But the beast is the Antichrist. There's two beasts. 
One is the Antichrist, one is the false prophet. We're fixed to meet them both in chapter 13. But when they had finished, and this is talking about the two witnesses, okay? The two great witnesses. And when they had finished their testimony, the beast that rises from the bottomless pit. Now, folks, I struggle with that. Would you think with me for a minute? What is this text telling me? This text implies, now I'm not saying I'm right, but it seems as if at some point in the Antichrist life, which I think is related to the mortal wound that was healed, right? He's, he's, he's mortally wounded. This is all towards the middle of the tribulation. Okay, now listen, we're going to find all this out. Most of you already know this. But when we're getting towards the middle of the tribulation, when in the middle of the tribulation he breaks the covenant, probably he breaks the covenant after he kills the two witnesses. But at some point he rises up out of the bottomless pit. So now we, so at one time the beast is, is an earthling. We're going to read that. He, he, he's, from, he's from a nation here on earth, probably in Europe somewhere. He, he, he he, he, he appears and he's a political, powerful... But all of a sudden, this says that he rises from the bottomless pit. What does that mean? I mean, honestly, I want to say I don't know, but let me give you my speculation. And, and you can read all this for yourself in context, but supposedly the, the Antichrist is killed. Uh, it seems to be there's some kind of uh, attempt on his life, and then it seems to be successful because several times it's going to mention a mortal wound that's been healed. Well, let's just say that the Antichrist is killed, right, getting right towards the middle of the tribulation. Not quite in the middle yet, but, but somebody assassinates the Antichrist. And he dies... But in the course of that death, he is now fully filled with Satan. Fully filled. I mean, he's Satan's instrument anyway. But somehow, someway, Satan now has total control of the Antichrist. Now, he had control of him, but now there's something. He's resurrected with more of satanic power. I'm just saying that. I'm not sure. But I do know that when he comes back from the dead, he kills these two witnesses. And then some other things are going to happen. So, so when they had finished their testimony, the beast that comes from the bottomless pit will make war on them and he will conquer them and he will kill them. So it makes me wonder if that's where he gets his power, that this supernatural power. Because see, they've been preaching for almost three and a half years. But now towards the middle of the tribulation, the Antichrist somehow has the power to kill them whereas he hadn't before. Just something to think about. Chapter 12, verse 7. So chapter 11, verse 7. Now we're jumping across the text. I know that. Chapter 12, verse 7. Y'all will remember this from last couple of weeks ago. Satan's thrown down to the earth. It says, Now war, war arose in heaven. Michael and his angels, and, and again, Michael's also the protecting angel for the nation of Israel. He is to this day according to Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. Isn't that awesome? And it makes you wonder, who's the protecting angel for America, right? 
And then also, who are the evil angels that are trying to deceive America? Anyway, now war rose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. And remember, it's a two-to-one odds. A third of the angels fell with Satan, so in heaven there's two-to-one odds if if you're looking at the numbers. And he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven, and the great dragon was thrown down that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan. Now we're talking about Satan now. This is, he, he's, 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 he fell, he, he led a rebellion, Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, talk about that. And so when he fell, he took a third of the angels with him. They rebelled with him. So somehow or another, we've talked about this, they have, he ha, he's the accuser of the brothers. We know that. So he has access somehow to the throne of God. Not necessarily he doesn't live in heaven, but he has he has, he has privileges to speak to the Father. He, he has privileges to, to the throne room at some point, and he's an accuser of the brothers. But at some point, and we think this is going to be somewhere right at the middle of the tribulation, Satan is cast out of heaven, and the only place he's going to be able to do his work is on earth. It says in verse 9, And the great dragon was thrown down, and the ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. Never forget that, folks. He's the deceiver. He still is. I was telling our class, we're, we're talking about worldliness this morning, and I hate to bring my class into here and, and kind of be redundant with them, but the world, you know, the God of this age is, is the devil. And, and so he, he, he's the, the deceiver of the whole world, so we should not be surprised that this world believes so different from us. We, we shouldn't be surprised that men and women are, are wicked and, and even our governments are legislating immorality. Not morality, they're legislating immorality and perversions. Because the devil has deceived them, because the Bible says God that, that the devil is their, their God or the devil is their father, he's the great deceiver. And he's deceived not only America, but he's deceived the whole world. Again, remind you, 1 John, at the end of 1 John 5, we're told that the whole world lies in the lap of Satan. The word there means to rock a baby. It just, the world is being duped by Satan. Sometimes you and I are duped by Satan. Sometimes we buy into the lie, don't we? Don't we buy into the lie? And the big lie that he shared with Eve, that Eve believed, is that she could be like God and she could make her own decisions. Sometimes we believe in that lie. But he's been thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. And and it says, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom and of our God and the authority of the Christ has come. And for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. He's accusing me and you. Doing it now, we'll be doing it in the future until he's thrown down. We've talked about that, and he's right. He can accuse me of being a sinner. He would be right. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb. Amen? Hey, I'm there because of the blood of Christ. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, you know, and, and so have you if you know him. It says, and by the word of their testimony, and for they love not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell on them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. 
And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down on the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. That's Israel. So now this is, this is in the middle of the tribulation. So this is the second half of the tribulation. And that's when Israel, he breaks the covenant. The Antichrist breaks the covenant. The devil's trying to destroy Israel too. So you kind of see the combination. But the woman, verse 14, but the woman was given two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place uh, where she is to be nourished for a time, times, and a half a time. That's three and a half years. And the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth came to help, to the help of the woman. Uh, this happened when some folks uh, denied, uh, rejected Moses and talked bad about Moses. The earth opened up and swallowed a whole, a whole uh, a family of, of people. And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the, the river and the dragon had poured from, that, the, that the dragon had poured from his mouth. And some scholars think that may just be an, an armies, you know, uh, rebels trying to go, we're not sure. Uh, then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sand of the sea. Chapter 13. Now, folks, this is the beast. We're going to meet the beast. He's going to tell us more about the beast. That was Satan. That's Lucifer. That's the devil. That's the serpent of old that we just read about in chapter 12. Now we're fixing to meet the beast, which was mentioned in 11.7, mentioned many other places. We know him as the Antichrist. The word we use most often for him is the Antichrist. And it, it doesn't mean the antithesis of Christ, the opposite. It means to take his place. Uh, he's, a, he's a deceiver. He's, he's trying to replace Christ, not come in and be the opposite of Christ. That's the idea of anti is, is merely to take his place. And I saw a beast, chapter 13, verse 1. Now let's meet the Antichrist or the beast. And I saw a beast rising out of the sea. Usually the sea means, you know, nations. And so we're assuming that if you're, if you're in Israel and, and rising up out of the sea, it, it's somewhere not in the land of Israel, okay? Not in the Middle East, maybe. We think it's from Europe. Think it's from the old Roman Empire based on what Daniel says. But we'll move on. You know, people debate about where the Antichrist comes from. Now, remember, he's going he's gonna to be a political leader. He's going to be a military leader by, by talk, but he's going to be a political leader. He's going to be a smoozer. And so you have, he's going to get all these nations to buy into where he wants to take the world. And so I saw a beast rising up out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads. And, of course, these are talking about nations and heads of nations. Uh, Many people back when the European Union, which used to have ten nations, were part of the European Union. That's not that way anymore. People thought that if it took place then, it would be the European Union, this, this combination of all these nations. But it's going to be a combination. And what it is, it's a political power, ruling power. He's, he's political and military, and then you're going to have a religious leader called the false prophet. That's where we're headed. So... So with ten horns and seven heads, with ten diadems, crowns, literal crowns, ruling crowns, 
and its horns and blasphemous names on its heads. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard. And you can read this in Daniel 7. Daniel had this same vision, but it's reversed because Daniel was looking forward. Uh, Revelation's looking back, you know, looking in a different direction. So, and so, and the beast that I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like a bear's, and its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And to it the dragon gave his power and his throne with great authority. And one of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed. And the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. So, and again, it is a little confusing when it says when he sees one of the heads, but it's like you have all these nations, but then you have the Antichrist. These nations and the Antichrist is ruling these nations. It does imply that it's his head that's been wound, wounded, and his mortal wound was healed. And it says, And the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. They're not following the ten nations. They're not following the other seven kings. They're following the beast, the Antichrist. And they worshipped the dragon. Now, so who's their God, their ultimate God? It's the Satan, it's the dragon, it's the, it's, it's, it's the devil, is the serpent of old. So again, you have this false trinity. You have Satan, the Antichrist, and we're going to introduce ourselves in a minute to the false prophet. It says, and they worship the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast, and they worship the beast, say. So these folks know where this power is coming from. And so they worship the beast, they worship Satan, they worship the beast, and they, they worship the beast saying, who is like the beast and who can fight against it? And I wonder if that's, they're saying that because he's been resurrected from the dead, right? Okay, let's move on. And the beast was given a mouth uttering haughty and blasphemous words. And it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. Now notice it's allowed to rule for 42 months. Ultimately, who's in control of the events of history? The Lord is, that's right. He's allowed. But all this is part of God's judgment. Now let me remind you, in addition to the devil's deceptions and hatred of man, and his goal to grasp every soul and bring them to hell like he does right now. Besides that, on top of that are the judgments God's pouring out. This is in addition to the judgments from God. This right now, we're not even dealing with the 21 judgments that's going to be coming from the hand of God. This is the devil and the Antichrist. And the beast was given a mouth uttering, halting, and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. So that la the second half of the tribulation, which we now know as the Great Tribulation, which is which the second half of the tribulation is marked by the abomination of desolation. We've already learned that in earlier. That's when the Antichrist enters the temple in Jerusalem in the middle of the in the middle of the tribulation, which is also in the middle of the covenant he's made with Israel. He breaks the covenant and he demands to be worshipped. Now let's keep reading. Now, but notice we're not using personal pronouns. 
masculine pronouns. You see that? It. That's another thing that bothers me. Now, I don't have all the answers to that. But in some places, you, he might be called the Antichrist. The beast might be a he. But now he's not. It's an it. Now, I'm going to say my simple way of explaining that to you is we know that the Antichrist is not human. It's not a he. He doesn't have a human soul, is it? No. It's an it. It's a monster. It's a beast. That's, that's why I think the Bible calls him the beast. You could say monster. The word beast is monster. Vicious beast. So I just find that interesting. Verse 6, it opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming His name and His dwelling. That is those who dwell in heaven. Also it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. Now how do you know the church isn't here? If if the Antichrist or the beast defeats the saints in the tribulation, listen to me, listen to me. If the Antichrist beats and defeats the saints in the tribulation, how do you know that can't be the church? Because Revelation 2 and 3 says, every church that Jesus speaks to says, to him who overcomes, that the church, and then John, 1 John says, him, who is it that overcomes? Except those who believe that Jesus is the Christ. And it says, and by faith. So we're the overcomers. Matter of fact, our theme this year, we're more than conquerors. We're more than victorious. Romans 8. That's our theme this year. So, so, he, so the saints, he, he beats the saints up. This is the devil now. I mean, this is the Antichrist. He was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And authority was given it, again, not him, over every tribe and people and language and nation. He rules the world, generally speaking. And all who dwell on the earth will worship it. Everyone whose names have not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. Another great reference to the Lamb's Book of Life. Isn't that awesome? The Lamb's Book of Life. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to be taken captive, to captivity he goes. If anyone is to be slain with a sword, with a sword, with a sword must he be slain. Here is a call for the endurance and the faith of the saints. I'm saying is these things are going to happen. Then he says, then I saw another beast. Are you with me? So we've met Satan, chapter 12. Reminder of Satan in different exchange here. Now we've met the beast, the Antichrist. And here is this third beast or the second beast, the third part of the false trinity. He's later called the false prophet. Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. Again, not the sea, but the earth. And it's like this beast has relationships all over the earth. This, this prophet, this beast is familiar with people on the earth. 
but he's a religious leader. Then I saw another beast rising up out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb. It looked like it was a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence. So when it's in the presence of the Antichrist, it can exercise the, the very things the Antichrist would do. Doesn't that sound a lot like the disciples in the presence of Christ? I mean, if you're thinking about this false trinity, and he, and he, and he makes the earth, look, here, here it is. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. There we have clarity again. So he makes, he's a prophet, he's a religious leader. He's not a Christian, but he's a religious leader worldwide. And so he convinces the world from a spiritual standpoint, and that word spiritual I'm using very loosely, that to be saved, so to speak, is to pledge loyalty to the first beast, who we now, you know, we know is the Antichrist. So he's begging people to be loyal. The inhabitant, he says, earth and its inhabitants to worship the first beast whose mortal wound, and see, to me that's, uh, that's the motivation, that's the reason, is there's been a miracle. There's been a miracle of resurrection. His, his head wound's been healed, and he, he should be, still be dead, but he's alive, and so you must worship him. Um, interesting. It performs, it performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people. Uh, and again, in the Old Testament, the, the, the Pharaohs, magicians, you know, they, they duplicated the miracles that Moses and Aaron. And by the signs that it, look what it says, and by the signs that it is allowed to work, in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on the earth. These people that are tied, earth dwellers. Remember that they're, they're, they've bought into to earth dwelling. This is where they believe they belong and this earth is theirs. They want earth dwellers. And so it deceives those who dwell on the earth, telling them to make an image for the beast. Why? Because that beast was wounded by the sword and yet it lived. So make an image of this beast, this Antichrist that had a mortal wound that was said, He's worthy of your worship, so let's make, a, let's make an image of him. Verse 15. Now, an outline quickly before I read verse 15. The, anti, the uh, false prophet and I, this is an outline I wrote in my Bible, so I have to tell you what the outline is. He's deceptive in appearance. He's devilish in his authority. It says he exercises all the authority. Verse 12, so he exercises all the authority. So it's deceptive in his appearance. 
horns like a lamb, speaks like a dragon. He's devilish in his authority. He has the authority of the first beast. He's demanding, he makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast. He's deadly. He's deadly because he's going to condemn people to hell. We're going to get to that in just a second. He, 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 he's going to take people's lives. They're going, to be, they're going to be condemned to hell when they take the mark of the beast. So by the signs that it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on the earth, telling them to make an image of the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And it was allowed. There it is again. And it was allowed. God is sovereign. Now remember, this is another time the New Testament teaches us that, that during this same event, all this tribulation, we're reminded that in 2 Thessalonians, in 2 Thessalonians 2, we're reminded that the restrainer, that God removes the restraining power of the Holy Spirit and probably through the church, but the restrainer is removed. And even God himself sends deceptions and delusions. So the devil's deluding people and God's deluding people. So there is absolute anarchy on the earth, unbelief. Verse 15 said, And it was allowed to give breath to the image. So everybody makes an image that's going to worship the Antichrist. So he encourages them to make an image. They make an image. But then he says, And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast. So the false prophet is, is somehow tied into technology and is able to give breath you know, to the image of the beast. Now, I think this is technology. I don't know that for sure. I think this is technology. Um, just this weekend, I was listening to a sermon in, in uh, worldwide, almost 30% of people worldwide have a smartphone. I can say something, and, and, or Diane, especially, and it, start, it appears on my phone. I can say, I need to be doing this. And all of a sudden now, I got seven ads for whatever I talked about, you know. So, y'all know what I'm talking about. It's, it's, they're listening, and they respond. So, this stuff is so real, but now the image is going to speak, has breath, so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. The false prophet finally is a murderer because of what he's doing. People that do not take the mark, that do not worship the beast, will be murdered. Folks, this is where all this comes from. When you hear about the mark of the beast and not taking the mark of the beast and being killed because you don't take the mark of the beast, Here's the passage that tells us that. So they've been an image. And not only is there an image, there's going to be a number. A number of his name. And look what it says. And it, and it again, the false prophet, causes all, both small and great, people that have, that have built bunkers four stories down in the ground, uh, poor people that are begging in the streets, whatever it would be, Governors and presidents and, and, you know, anybody. So it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or on the forehead. So that no one 
can buy or sell unless he has the mark. That is the name of the beast or the number of its name. So on the forehead or on the hand, right hand, there's a mark and it's called the mark of the beast and it's pledging loyalty and worship to the beast, to the Antichrist. The moment someone takes the mark, they go, they're going to hell. There's no repentance from the mark. You can't repent from it. Now remember, it's, it's not your ATM card. It's not a Visa card. It, you're, you're taking, it's, it's the number it's the number of his name. It's the Antichrist. It, you're pledging loyalty to him, to his image, as the God of God, the King. You're pledging. He, he's now Lord. That's what he said. And so you're pledging loyalty. So you're taking, you're taking a mark that has his name or the number of, of his name. It's not, you know, a 16-digit credit card, but it's, it's, it's his. You're, you're taking a mark based on his name. Or the number of his name. And it says this calls for wisdom. We're, we're out of time. It says this calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man. And that number is 666. Now again, the God's perfect number. God's complete number is 7. Okay? And so... If you're looking at it from that standpoint, 666 means incomplete, 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 right? Not God, not God, not God. You know, empty, empty. It's, it's man's effort to be God, but it's incomplete, incomplete, short, short, short. It, it's man's number, but it's the, it's the number of a man. But this is where, folks, we get the whole part of scripture and folks you, you you can talk to people who have really very little bible knowledge and they'll know about the mark of the beast you i mean people that have no idea what's in the book of revelation you'll hear people talk about the mark of the beast but this is it in scripture so you have this unholy trinity you have satan you have the antichrist or the first beast which is the great greater beast and then you have a second beast who's going to be also called the false prophet who's a religious figure. Now think this. He's a religious figure who encourages the world to worship the Antichrist. Let me say it again. He is a religious figure known to the world. And he encourages the world to worship the Antichrist, that he's the one that's God. And the world will. And if they don't, they'll be persecuted. I wrote this several years ago, and I just want you to listen to this. Um, and I know we're, we're over time, but uh, faith and belief. I want you to listen to this. Now, there's a lot here, and we could, we could stay months in this. You know I could. This mark of the beast stuff, I could talk about forever. How that's going to happen, all that. But I want you to think about salvation today. I want you to think about being saved. During the tribulation, folks are going to, it's either going to be life or death. It's if you come to Christ, 
and rejects and reject the mark of the beast, there's a good chance you're going to die for your faith. And what? It, but I want you to think about what today is saving faith and what is saving belief. And I, wonder, I wrote this several years ago, and I just want to read it to you. Because there are people here today that I, I believe are not saved. And I want to remind you that salvation is in Christ alone, by faith alone, by grace alone. Folks, there's not enough religion to save you from your sins. Not enough religion. Christ came to save. This is the gospel. This is the word of God. Preach the word. Jesus Christ came to save sinners. You're a sinner. He's the Savior. But it calls you to repent and believe in what the Bible says about Him. I'll read this. It says, Faith and belief is not merely mental assent. It is not asking Him to give you something that will make your happy life a little more secure. Faith is not adding Jesus to your otherwise cool and established life. Matter of fact, the Bible says you lose your life to find it. Faith and belief is first understanding. Do I understand that Jesus Christ is the eternal God come in the flesh? Do I understand that He has come to save sinners? Do I understand that there is no salvation apart from Him? Do I have eyes to see and ears to hear that these statements are true and what they really mean? Belief. Do I believe these statements are true? Am I convinced in my heart and in my mind that all these claims are exactly right? It's true. Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is Savior. He's King. Thirdly, do I trust Him? Am I willing to accept Him as He's been revealed in His Word Do I accept Him as my prophet, as my priest, and as my king, so He will apply His salvation to my very soul? Do I count Him as trustworthy? And am I now compelled to flee to Him and trust Him with my eternal soul? There's only one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And what is that name? Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed and our hearts are open unto the Lord. Heads bowed and eyes closed. And folks, we, we're going to take just a moment and, and have a moment of invitation. And folks, I, there's a lot of scary things in the book of Revelation, but the scariest thing today is that if you're here today without the Lord Jesus Christ, if you leave this world, you will die in your sin. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death or eternal separation from a holy God. And there are no second chances. I have to ask you today, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you understand who He is and what He came to do? Have you trusted Him? Do you believe in Him? Everything the Bible says about Him, do you believe and have you trusted Him to save your wicked soul? Now, 
on a Sunday morning, there may be somebody here, I believe there is, that's, you've heard the gospel so many times, and, but you know deep down inside, you don't know Christ. You don't know Him. You don't bear the fruits of being born again. You know it. Oh, you got religion. You can talk about it. Hang around people that got it, but you don't got it. Jesus alone saves. I'm going to invite you to repent of your sins and give your life to Christ. You know what to do. You confess your sins and call out to Christ. God, I'm a sinner. You're the Savior. Forgive me. I trust you and believe in you and beg you to save me of my sins and I'll follow you as my Lord and Savior. That's what you do. In just a moment, we're going to stand and sing a hymn. We're going to sing one or two verses. If you're here today and, and you need to be saved or you just prayed that prayer, I want you to come down front and just greet, share with me and greet with me and fellowship with me about what's going on in your life spiritually. Father, we, we give these moments to you. God, save a soul today, we pray in Christ's name. We stand and we sing. I am resolved. You know it well. We stand, we sing. It won't be long. If you need to come, I'm standing right down here. You come right now. I am resolved. Come on. Aren't you glad you're saved? I will hasten to Him. Well, folks, we need to pray for our Bible school team. What? Listen, they have spent hours, days. Every time I come up here, Jessica's here. Her and her, her, her sweet husband, Aaron, and she's got her kids in there. And, I mean, they've been doing, putting this time in. And a lot of work. It's kind of like I was telling Aaron, it's, it's not like a wedding. But, you know, you, a wedding, all that time and money, and a wedding lasts 30 minutes. If I do it, it's 40 minutes if you let me be long. But, I mean, it's short. I got a couple I married. It was 20 minutes. I mean, it's a lot of In Bible school, we just work and work and work and work and and I mean, it's great, it's three or four nights, and we share the truth, and awesome, but we want to pray for them. I'm grateful for their hard work. I mean, they've already done a, a month's work already, but tonight it starts, and we're so excited for that. Thank you for being here. God bless you. Let's pray together, and we'll be dismissed. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you save us from sin. Thank you that you're going to come again and take us out. Thank you, Lord, that everything we just read about, you're going to conquer. You're going to defeat the devil. You're going to defeat the Antichrist. And you're going to defeat the false prophet. And you're going to throw them into hell. Father, thank you for the victory that we have in Jesus Christ. Bless Bible school tonight, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.